Okay, so today uh, we're doing the Parsha Shlach and the Torah and Tea. And um, it's interesting, it, it, it really, uh, Rashi, in the, right in the beginning, says, also talks about the famous topic, which is Lashon Hara. There's various different levels of Lashon Hara. And as we'll see today, sometimes just speaking too much about something, even without having a very specific intent or in a specific purpose to degrade somebody, to say bad about somebody. Just the fact that you talk a lot about it and you start to elaborate, eventually it's going to lead to something negative. Um, and, and, and we actually see this, we'll have a discussion, we'll actually see this, how it took place by, uh, by the, um, both by Miriam, we have it with Miriam, and we also have it with the Miraglim. Um, and with Aaron. Miriam and Aaron, yeah. But the Torah actually blames mostly Miriam because she started it, basically, that's what it says, she started um, And in and, and Rashi, right away, is in the beginning. You know, as we know this story, so what happens? Um, now, part of the story we read over here in the Chumash in Shalach this week, but the other part of the story to fill in some of the gaps. Uh, basically, we read in the uh, Mishnah Torah, in Devarim, in where Moshe Rabbeinu was recounting what took place. So basically, the Jewish people came to Moshe Rabbeinu, they said, we want to send, they were basically pestering Moshe to send the spies to go ahead and scout the land and uh, to see what's going on. And maybe they didn't even have bad intentions. I mean, it wasn't like they were doubting, it wasn't they were questioning. They were trying to figure out what would be the best way to, how, what would be the best way to go ahead and, 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 and conquer the land. So they, um, um, so they asked Moshe Rabbeinu to send the scouts, and Moshe Rabbeinu uh, consulted with Hashem, and Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Shlach uh, Lecho. In other words, you take responsibility. You know, I, uh, I told him it's a beautiful land. I told him I'm going to uh, land that flows milk and honey. It's great. It's beautiful. But if you want to go check it out, go check it out by all means. Go ahead. Send, send, send spies. But Rashi explains that this means shlach lecho. Go according to your own, uh, your opinion. I didn't tell you to send. Rashi actually gives another example over there in Devarim. Rashi says that um, it's like a salesman. He's trying to sell you a car or something. Right? And, and you're checking it out, and you're saying, does this car really work well? Does it drive well? And everything else, you know? He says, can I take it? Rashi talks not about a car, of course. He talks about a horse, a, a donkey. You know, they talk about an animal. That's, that's the, he says, can I try it out? He says, on the mountains, on the valleys? Go try it wherever you want. So then the guy, the buyer says, well, if he doesn't mind me taking it, so he's pretty confident that what he's selling is really good, so I can go ahead and buy. But here, Hashem says, you know what? You want to send the spies? Go send the spies. And, but they, they, they didn't uh, just rely that Hashem says you could send the spies. Uh, they actually wanted to send them. But Rashi writes right away in the beginning, in the very first Rashi, Rashi says, why does the Torah write this portion of the Meraglim of the scouts, the spies, right 
following the story with Miriam. Why does this? Why are these two stories so close to each other? And um, and Rashi gives the answer is because uh, she also got punished, meaning Miriam. And again, we're talking about specifically Miriam because she's the one that suffered the consequences. She suffered the consequences uh, because she spoke bad or she gossiped, maybe the word diva, she gossiped about her brother. And these people, these evil people, meaning the Meraglim, they saw, they witnessed this, and they did not learn their lesson. And they continued doing, behaving in a similar manner as to Miriam. So, the Rebbe over here in this, uh, in this talk, the Rebbe says that if you take a look in the order of the events, the portion of uh, the Miraglim actually follows the story with Miriam. It actually took place. Uh, very more specifically, and then the Rebbe with the notes and everything else proves all these different dates, but more specifically... It turns out that the spies were sent on the 29th day of Sivan. They were sent. And the Miriam, her, the end of her uh, seven days that she was closed and they all waited for her, uh, they didn't move, ended on the 28th day of Sivan. So it basically turns out that the story of the Miraglim took place the day, next day after that. And so basically the story belongs here. I mean, there is some commentaries that want to say differently, but in this simple text in Rashi, it almost seems that this... So why does Rashi even have a problem? Why do these portions come close? I mean, they come close because they happen. So why is Rashi wondering over here... um, why they're coming close. So, so first, so the Rebbe explained this, that, um, and he has many other questions, but we're going to just uh, touch on a few of them. So, the Rebbe says, first, we have to understand the question that the Ramban asks. Well, why, what's such a grave sin of the Miraglim? What, what really, at the end of the day, what, what, what was so, so bad? What did Moshe Rabbeinu send them? He told them. Well, it says in the Apostle, what did Moshe Rabbeinu tell them? He told them to find out about the land. He said, to find out the land, what kind of a land is it? To find out the people that sit in that land, whether they're strong, whether those cities are fortified. That was the mission. The mission was to get information about the people and about the land. That was the mission that Moshe Rabbeinu sent them. So as the Ramban asks, what's their sin? What is their crime? What did they do wrong? They came back and they told the truth. What did they say? They came back and they said that these very strong people, they asked them if they're strong, and he said that those cities are fortified up to the sky. So that's not, that's not a lie. That was the mission, and they came back with that, with that, with that report. Now, a lot of the Mephorshim already, they give the commentaries. They say, 
um, they added a few things. Like, for example, they added it's a land that eats its inhabitants. Uh, Rashi explains over there um, what does it mean that while they were there, Hashem actually wanted to protect them so people shouldn't pay attention to the scouters, to the spies that they were there. So God made that they had a lot of funerals over there. So people were preoccupied with the funerals. So it was actually to their benefit. But they saw funerals going on all the time. So they said, what kind of a land is this? People are always burying their dead over there. So they said, it's an Erez Echelas Yeshveo. Or then they said, um, further they said, oh, later on when they were having the debate, they said, no, we won't be able to go up. So that's already more. But it's, 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 it's obvious that already their first sentence, because when you're reading the Parsha the way it is, first they came and gave their report, which doesn't seem to have anything bad in it. Then Kolev, who was one of the Kolev and Yeshua, he made them all quiet. He got their attention by actually tricking them and saying to them that, is this the only thing that uh, the son of Amram did against us? Or did for him? Did? In other words, they were listening, they were paying attention, they thought that he's going to say something bad because they were all already angry at Moshe. That, and so he says, hey, that's not the only thing that Moshe did. So everybody started to think that he's probably going to say something bad. So they gave him their ears, they paid attention to him, to what he said. And then he said, oh, but he gave us the money, took us out of Egypt in various different, as Rashi explained, the Gemara brings down the various different things that Moshe Rabbeinu did. So they twist, he twisted it around, he tricked them basically. And the Rashi says it a second time also, that he basically got their attention that way. But, and then they started arguing, saying, no, no, we won't be able to go up. But it seemed like, even from the way beginning, somehow they did something wrong. This came later on in response, you know, they said, and then Yehoi made them quiet. So it seems like that was... Already they were saying, why did Kolem make them quiet? Not because they were giving back a good report or the regular report. But what were they doing wrong then? So that's what we're trying to understand. So basically, the, the question is, in these words that they said, that it's a powerful, uh, powerful people, it's a fortified land, they didn't lie and they didn't say anything which was not expected from them. So what is it that they did wrong? And even, let's say, they said, no, we can't go up. They didn't mean we can't go up. They basically said, uh, they, they didn't say, nala, we're not going up. They said, nuchal, we're not able to go up. Because uh, <laughs> they, uh, they were sent to estimate you know, see what the people is. According to their estimation, those people, the inhabitants that lived in Canaan and Eretz Yisrael at the time, they were so strong, and they didn't think that, you know, even miracles, you know, it's like beyond miracles, it's going to be a very impossible job. So, and actually, what did Kolev say? Kolev didn't say, oh yes, we could, we can, uh, we can fight them. Kolev actually said to them, 
Well, if Hashem tells up to go to the sky, we'll go up to the sky, we'll make ladders, we'll climb up to the sky. Basically saying, nothing is going to stop us. Nothing is going to stop us. We can always get there. So, uh, so one, one can justify their claim uh, by saying they, they approached it from, technically, from they were sent to spy, and they said, we don't think that we could make it up there. And uh, Yoshua, uh, Kalev did not say, yes, we could make it up, we're strong enough. All what he said is, God can make a miracle. So, it almost seems like the purpose of sending the Miraglim in the first place was that you should be able to prepare if you have to have a war, a natural war, to see what the enemy is, to see how to get in. That was the purpose of their mission. And according to their estimation, the way they estimated it, uh, so they figured they couldn't do it. So why is it such a terrible thing that they came to the conclusion based on their assessment? They assessed the situation and they thought you can't do it. Sometimes it's dangerous to have more information than you need. Well, at the end of the day, uh, Hashem agreed for them to send it. And that means, okay, maybe Hashem said, trust me, you don't have to go. But they did. But so what was the purpose in, the, uh, in doing that? It was to figure out on a natural way, you know, to wage, you know, to figure out. So they came back with the report that, you know, it seems that we're not able to do so. So where did they go wrong? So here is where Rashi asked the Kasha the question. Well, they didn't trust that Hashem would help them. Yeah, but, you know, they, they even in the trust, but they, they were, um, their mission was uh, a mission of, of, a nature, of a nature, a mission based on nature, not based on a miracle. Then they don't have to send the spies. You know, else, elsewhere it's explained that they didn't, that their desire was not just to accept. You know, sometimes somebody will tell you, um, you know, if you listen to Hashem, you know, things will be good for you. Okay, maybe you believe them, but sometimes when they can show you examples and say, then you'll understand that listening to Hashem is really going to be good for you because they'll show you like example people that listen to Hashem, things go well for them, that will be a demonstrate for you too. So, like Hashem tells them, go to Eretz Yisrael, it's beautiful. But they wanted to sort of, they wanted to be happy with what they're getting. They didn't want to just believe that it's going to be good. They wanted to, that it makes sense to them that it's good. They wanted to see it in their own eyes and maybe be convinced that it's good. Not because they didn't believe, but just because they felt that that way they're going to have a more of appreciation. But it turns out that they came back with a report that they were preparing for war, figure out. And then at the end, they made a mistake, it turns out. But what did they do? How, did they, how do we explain what they did wrong? Yeah, what were you saying? Is this in the second year after they got out of yeah. Egypt? So it's early on. And, uh, it's Very early on. It's the first military yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. opponent. And they were probably scared. This was, what, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so now, we understand Rashi is going to answer. This is a problem that Rashi is grappling with. 
that Rashi is trying to explain with his first commentary. When Rashi is saying, why was the portion connected to Miriam? And Miriam spoke, Diba gossiped about her brother. And they uh, basically gossiped about Israel. As Rebbe is going to explain that sometimes you can talk about something, but you can talk and talk and talk. In other words, if you come back and give a report, say, oh, these are strong people there. But you can sort of sit and exaggerate. You know, you say, they're strong and they're mighty and they're powerful and it's we saw all these giants over there and it's 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 very scary and it's big and it's powerful and and they keep on saying and saying and saying without even having to specify the negative they are bringing in the negativity just by the way they're sitting and hammering away and bartering the people and everybody telling them how strong and how powerful they are. So Rashi, why does Rashi have a problem in our Chumash over here in the Shlach? Why does the portion come after the portion of Miriam? Rashi has a very strong problem over here. Sometimes it's necessary to make a between two stories of the Torah, it's necessary to make a little bit of an interruption just so we're not inundated sometimes with negativity, sometimes with bad... Like Rashi said before, in the Torah there is uh, like a break with the Psukim of Ibn Sawaharan, which are meant as an interruption between two negative occurrences, you know, with what took place, uh, with the Jewish people wanting the meat over there in the desert and then not wanting to leave there. There's, uh, um, there is the idea we don't bring stories, one negative story in another negative story. But sometimes, so sometimes stories need a little gap, need a little space in between. But especially in these two stories, because why? Because at the end of the day, Miriam spoke Lashon Hara. The spies spoke Lashon Hara, right? So the fact that we put these two portions together, one can conclude that maybe their sins are similar. Maybe what Miriam did and what they did is similar because when you put two stories next to each other so it could be that there's some similarity in the, the, we all know of course that Miriam is a total different story than the spies A we see by Miriam Everybody honored her by staying and not moving. So we see that notwithstanding that she spoke Lashon Hara, but yet nobody moved until she was ready to join back into the camp, number one. Number two, 
but by the Maraglim, what do we see? They all died. Yeah. They died in the plague. All the Maraglim died. So this is not the same. Number two, not only did the Maraglim, the entire generation of from 40 to 60, they all died in the desert. That's how severe it was. And uh, so all of them, and everybody had to stay for 40 years in the desert. So it's it was terrible consequences. So there's no way that we can really equate what happened to Miriam and what happened to the Miraglim. But one can still argue and say that maybe there is still a comparison between the Miraglim and Miriam, but the Miraglim, uh, by not being careful in what they spoke, so they ended up causing all Jewish people to stumble, so there was a big mistake as a result from that. They rebelled against Hashem, and they didn't want to go in Eretz Yisrael, but by Miriam it remained a private matter. But we're still putting them in the same category, these people, these miraculous, the same category as Miriam. Only thing we're changing is we're saying that by Miriam there were no bad consequences because this remained a private matter, and by the Miraglim it sort of spilled over to becoming a terrible thing, but still they would be the all over the same level. So, and one would also take into consideration and say to himself, look, Moshe Rabbeinu took a very important mission, so he must have sent the people a big responsibility, he must have picked the best people for the job. So, as the Pasuk says, he took the people uh, who were called men. They were the uh, important people. So, because of that, one can think Miriam was at Sidkonis, she was at Sudeikis. Uh The Miraglim were important people. Maybe there is a... Uh, a connection over there, maybe they're similar. So, Rashi's asking the Kasha, but that's not true. So, Rashi wants to know, why would the Torah give, allow, for a mistake to be made, for some people to read the Parsha, they will say, huh, what Miriam did, the Miraglim did the same thing. So, but it's different the Torah should have, hold on one second, the Torah should have made a little interruption with something else between the two stories. So one shouldn't conclude that it's really the same level. Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, one is Lashnara about a person, the other one is Lashnara about a country where we're all going into. It's a more public thing. Yes, granted. But, we know there is differences, and we also mentioned before the consequences were totally different. Miriam was waited for for the seven days, and the Miraglim caused such destruction for themselves and for all the people and for everybody to be in desert. So we know for sure that there is a difference. That's not even a question. But the question that Rashi is bothered by when Rashi starts off the parsha says, so why does the Torah allow for such a mistake by putting them next to each other. So someone may conclude erroneously, but somebody may make a mistake and think that maybe they're at the same level because they're next to each other. 
That's Rashi's problem. So, but remember, we had a problem. Rashi is explaining now why, what was really the sin of the Meraglim. Rashi is saying the reason why the Torah put the story of the Meraglim next to the story of Miriam, not because the Meraglim and Miriam were at the same level, not because, even though you may make a mistake, the reason the Torah put that story next to each other to explain to us what did the Meraglim do so bad. The Torah is telling us they saw what happens with Miriam, and they did not learn the lesson from what happened to Miriam. That way we'll understand what is the failure, what is the mistake that they made. Uh, so, as Rebbe explained, I mentioned earlier, the Rebbe explains over here, uh, They had a, it's not a, they had a good opportunity just now, you know, for what took place a day ago in this story. They had an opportunity to go ahead and check it out. And but Rashi is very distinctly makes a clear. He says, these were evil people, and not not Miriam. But the problem was is these evil people, they could have learned the message from what took place with Miriam. In other words, they should have learned what took place with Miriam. So let's stop for a minute and let's examine what took place by Miriam. Over there too, one can ask, what did Miriam say? What was the story with Miriam? What did she say? They spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu's wife, what they called her the Isha Kushis, Ashalokach. Kushis today would be the black woman. The Rashi says she was so beautiful, everybody, just like black is beautiful, they would say, everybody would know, she would, there was no doubt, there was no question about her beauty. So, uh, they were talking about her. What were they talking about her? They were talking about her that Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife. He divorced Tzipora, he divorced his wife. Is that true? Yeah, that was true. Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife. Actually, he was hinted by God before, after Torah, he was hinted by Hashem to divorce her, but they didn't know. Uh, why did he divorce her? Uh, he didn't want to, I mean, Zipporah had no intention of hurting uh, Moshe or saying bad about him in order to hurt him. As Rashi explained what happened over there is there were two other people that started prophesizing. Eldad and Eldad and Medad. And at that particular point when they became to, started to prophesize in, Tzipora was, uh, Moshe's wife was there, uh, or Moshe's ex-wife. And she says, whoa, he says, I feel 
terrible for these women, he says, because that means that Elder Demeda, their husbands, are going to divorce them. Just like my husband divorced me, because once he's a prophet, and Hashem was talking to him all the time, so he could not be with his wife, so therefore he divorced her. So she sort of said, ah, I feel bad for Elder Demeda, because now, for their wives, because they're going to divorce it. That was heard by Miriam. Mm -hmm. Miriam heard when Sipporah said that. And she went and repeated it to to Aaron. Mm -hmm. And basically what she said was, as you see the passage, she says, well, Moshe is not the only one that talks to God. We talk to God. And we're married. Why why uh, why can't Moshe stay married and still talk to God, just like we do? But as the verse later says, they failed to recognize uh, Moshe's greatness, that Moshe was on a totally different level than there, and his connection to Hashem, as the Pasukos, was on a totally different level, and that he actually could not stay married. That was Hashem's will, that he should not stay married on the level his connection to Hashem. And maybe because God spoke directly to Moshe. All the time. Not as much On a regular basis, and not to them. Miriam right. spoke right. to God. And Rashi says, actually, when God appeared to them, they needed to, they needed water to clean themselves, and, you know, and so it was uh, something that they underestimated. Basically, is what they, the problem of Miriam was, she underestimated Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness. She didn't think of Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, as a leader, but she didn't know that he is on a category by itself. So, okay. So, let's say that that was a mistake on Miriam's part. But she didn't intend to degrade him. She underestimated his greatness. Does she deserve such a punishment of the tzeras and everything else when it's not unintentional, why, why was she punished like that? Uh, so, Rashi explains over here, there was Diba. Rashi says this was gossiping. Rashi says, and Rabbi brings a very powerful point, you know, which is a very practical, it says, people occupy himself with gossip uh, to talk about other people, just not even if you don't want to talk bad, but just talking a great length about other people, talking about them, you know, occupying yourself not even when you want to talk bad things, we're not talking about saying bad, we're not talking about Lashon Hara even, we're just talking about just talking about other people Iskidibo Miriam didn't understand why Moshe separated himself from his wife. She didn't agree. She didn't, she didn't appreciate that. So what should someone who doesn't appreciate what the other person does, can't understand? So you go over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Ask Moshe Rabbeinu, is this correct? Why did you do that? You don't start talking about it uh, and making a whole big to do about it, certainly that's not going to come out for the good. If you're going to do that, something bad is going to come out of it. 
And therefore, you yeah, go ahead. But the spies said the Lushan Hara publicly, for she said it privately to Aaron. Who? Miriam. Yeah, no, but, but she started talking to Aaron. Apparently, yeah. it was going to go further. She was gossiping about Moshe Rabbeinu. Mm-hmm. And she was schmoozing about him. Mm-hmm. She should have, if she didn't like something that Moshe Rabbeinu did, or she questioned Moshe Rabbeinu's, she should have gone over quietly to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, my dear brother Moshe, is this right? Explain to me what you're doing. You know how many hard feelings, how many wars, how many grudges we can avoid if instead of getting angry and assuming and saying bad about the other person to talk about them, we just go and check with the person and say, how come you said this to me or how come you looked at me this way or how come you just, you just instead of talking about it and then going to other people and saying, you know, something is wrong with this guy, something is, you know, with this person, you know, just go over quietly and check with the person, see, maybe they have a, a good explanation, maybe they have a reason, maybe there's something that they can enlighten you with. So, this concept, Miriam, what she did, not intending to harm uh, Moshe, but just talking about it, is a similar way what did with the Miraglim. They didn't lie about Eretz Yisrael, but their speech was in a way of gossip. It was Iskei Diba. They continuously discussed and they spoke of and Barret the strength, how powerful the people are, until they scared them. They scared them. They just kept on talking about it. And they just said, we don't want to go to Israel now. And that, all they have to tell them, just tell over the story, the true story, so many times. You hammered away in it until they scared them off. If the Miraglim, honestly, were wondering that here God tells them to go to Eretz Yisrael, how would they be able to conquer the land, the inhabitants of the land? So they should have shortly said it in a short way without elaborating and, and that's really But most important, they should go to Moshe. Why are they going to the people to talk? Why are they going to the people to tell the people about it? They have a question now. We went there and we went to the pie. No, they don't go to Moshe Rabbeinu to have a discussion with Moshe Rabbeinu. They're going right to the people to start up, to stir up trouble. So this preoccupation and talking about at great length and articulating about the inhabitants of the land until they said at the end, no, we can't go up, that was only natural. What is this going to lead to? It's going to lead to a rebellion. And they're going to say, let's give ahead and let's go back to Egypt. So that was, that was understood. So, you know, sometimes people can tell you the truth, but they put out the truth in such a way, or they speak to those people who they're going to get them all riled up, and then this is going to bring about the rebellion. So, but we still need to understand how come uh, how come Miriam would actually be even talking about gossiping about Moshe? Why would she 
Why would Miriam do that? Um, but actually, Miriam was motivated by her pity and her love for Tzipporah. That, that was her motivated. Because she, her argument was, Hashem didn't only speak to Moshe. Hashem speak to us, us also. We're also part of the prophets that Hashem talked to. Her. Uh, and because they were, you can say, in Miriam's estimation, they thought of themselves that they are at a pretty high level themselves. Because if Hashem talks to them, Hashem talks to Moshe. All right, maybe Moshe is a little bit bigger, a little better, a greater, but still, we're still in the same sort of, in the same ballpark, because Hashem speaks to us as well. So they couldn't conceive his greatness should be so strong to cause a woman, his wife, such pain. So that this should exempt him from Hashem's command to be with your wife, to be married to her, and everything else. Um, I mean, it basically says that she didn't really appreciate the other one's greatness before she started speaking about him. That was a mistake. She didn't really sense. He thought they thought of themselves. Maybe she came from the place of tremendous pain for Zipporah. Absolutely. But, and on top of that, that was one thing, but the pain of Tzipporah and not fully having an evaluation of Moshe Rabbeinu's greatness. So this together, she brought her to this Dibon. This was a similar thing by the Miraglim. They thought they're big shots. Why? Because who chose, who did Moshe Rabbeinu choose to go scout the land. The tribal leaders. The leaders. They were, they were the best. They were sort of the best of the best. They were the prime. Because they were the chosen one. They were the leaders. They were the chosen people. And Hashem agreed because it says that this looks like Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that said to go, but who said who to go, what to go, that Hashem said. Every tribe who should send. So this was already, so they were like, of great stature, these people. So they thought to themselves uh, that in this idea of what they're doing here, they are sort of the greatest people. So nobody else could understand better than they. They have the ultimate understanding since they were chosen. And therefore, uh, they are the ages of Hashem. And since they felt very, very frightened, or in their ex- expression, they said, in our eyes we were like grasshoppers. They, they, they thought of themselves very, very low. So they thought for sure that this is uh, true for all Jews, that everybody feels that way with regards, that they're not alone, if they feel that. So they said, we can't go up because... They say, we feel that way, and we're the greatest leaders. If we feel we can't get over, who else is going to feel differently? Um, so since 
they themselves did not make sense to them going up to Yisrael in their own minds. They didn't feel. So they occupied themselves in starting to gossip about it. Uh, even Miriam speaks about her brother because Miriam, it's Miriam's brother. So in Miriam's estimation, she's her brother is half of her. They come from the same place, Miriam and so. Miriam didn't think that Moshe can be so much greater than her because sister, she's a sister and a brother, come from the same place. So she under-evaluated Moshe based upon the fact that if I don't feel that way, if I don't feel that Moshe Rabbeinu should separate, why should Moshe Rabbeinu separate? She put it on herself that she has the... But when it comes to the Meraklin, they wanted everybody to come with their conclusion. They decided that we can't do it. So instead of talking to Moshe and instead of clearing up the air, they decided, we say we can, it can't be done. And we're the people that make those decisions. We were the ones that were sent. And if we, it doesn't make sense to us, then it shouldn't happen. And that's the Yizkidibu. It's very interesting how uh, relevant it is also in the many cases, you know, you have people who will start a, a fight or a disagreement or allow themselves to um, say negative things. Sometimes people will say negative things about tzaddikim. Somebody, sometimes people will say, criticize you know, some people will criticize, will criticize a tzaddik, criticize a rebbe, they will say something. And it comes because of a lack of their own self uh, level. They think of themselves that because they have a certain level or because they've chosen, they gives them a right and they have a certain fear or they have a certain uh, uh, experience. They want to say, they have the right, and they have the right to criticize, and they have the right to challenge, and to speak, and to get everybody else riled up, to get everybody else uh, on, on, uh, with, their, uh, with their fear, and not to allow the to go up there to Israel. And this happens over and over again, but it basically comes from two parts. It comes from a self uh, wrong assessment of their own greatness and a lack of appreciation for the other one's greatness and therefore they think that they are on a level in which they can uh, make decisions or have everybody follow them even though you have uh, a real giant Moshe Rabbeinu saying no, we are going to go there to slow the national promises <coughs> there's also another point over here uh, that um, the Rashi says that these Miraglim, they saw they saw what just took place with Miriam why, 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 what does it mean they saw why, is it, why are we saying 
that they saw what just took place with Miriam. Uh, because a similar thing, what is it actually that scared off the Miraglim? What did they see more than they knew already from before? The Jews in Egypt already knew what the situation is in the land of Canaan, because you can see uh, also in the song of Yashir, you say, mm-hmm. that all of the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. You said there were a lot of funerals that scared them. The, yeah, well, they were, that, that was specifically when they were scouting it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was another thing, but the, the general strength, their description of the uh, the power, the might of the people there is something that they knew. It's not something that... So what, what is it that scared them? Previous, previously they were ready to go to Israel. So we say our sages tell us you can't compare hearing about something as visually. When you visually see something it's much stronger. leaves a much stronger imprint. It touches you much deeper. As long as they just heard about what's taking place, the strength of the inhabitants of the land, so they weren't really overly scared from, and from, from those inhabitants. They were ready to go to Eretz Yisrael. But when they saw it with their own eyes, the strength of those people over there, so that impacted them. Now they changed their mind. They said, we're not going. We're afraid. Uh, and as you can see that in the words of the Miraglim, they keep on saying, we've seen the giants, we've seen the fruits, we've seen. They keep on saying, we've seen. Because to say that they visually, that scared them. So that's what Rashi says over here. But they just saw, they also just saw what happened to Miriam. Since they had just witnessed itself, that should have given them the strength to overcome this test of seeing. Seeing what happened over there should give you the strength not to let what you see overcome you and pull you down. If they would have just heard about uh, the punishment of Miriam, so you couldn't demand from them why didn't they learn a lesson. They just heard about something. That the uh, the reason they sinned was because they saw something. They saw it. So that was too much for what they heard to take away what they've seen. But since they've seen, that should have given them the strength not to allow what they see to change them their minds. And they had to trust uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. And, you know, we still have, in a way, I'm thinking that we have still, in a way, today, like, you know, in, in Eretz Yisrael, you know, we also, we have, a, we have to hold on Eretz Yisrael today. We have to wage war. There's so many people around us that want to destroy us. And we have to wage war. A lot of people are tired. They don't want to wage war. We want... You know, they want to, They want peace. Who doesn't want peace? You need a partner to make peace with. 
You need somebody to make peace with you. Can't make peace with yourself? You hear some of the reactions to the um, suggestions to give them, make the economy, build them up. No, no, no. They, they but No, but the point here is that we still have today a lot of people that are scared and a lot of people that are worried and because that's their view they're trying to impose that view on everybody else and especially if they're people of stature or they're people of uh, special people they want, they're afraid and they want to tell us all, be afraid throw away Israel, give it all away and then you won't have to be afraid but it's based and they want to call the shots they want everybody to to follow them. No, the Rebbe was very, very strong on not ceding any territory for very practical reasons, not for reasons some people want to attribute to uh, the holiness of Israel. That was for safety of Israel, for the safety of the Jewish people that live in Israel can't see territory. Territory is tangible, place we need. We know you can't give up. But the point here is people criticize the Rebbe, you know, people that they don't understand. They're not Moshe Rabbeinu, and they don't see things. And just because they're a professor, or just because they were a general, just because they were uh, reached, and they get credentials, and they get credit for other things, doesn't mean that they have a right and a better understanding than Moshe Rabbeinu. If Hashem gave us the gift of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Rebbe says that we have to hold on to it because that is strategically important for the Jewish people. We have to be able to appreciate that and realize that we will, Bezrat Hashem, we will succeed and we will uh, go up there to Israel as we are coming up to Gimel Tammuz, 30th Tammuz, which is 25 years from the Rebbe's uh, Yorzeit. It's time again to reflect on the Rebbe's leadership and the Rebbe's word, every word that the Rebbe says here, from how conflict starts and how speaking too much about somebody else, uh, how even without saying Lashon Hara, you can repeat the facts so many times, and you say it so many times that, you know, we know the results. How even Miriam, these are all ideas we had in the Sikha that we discussed, how even Miriam, uh, not intending to do any harm, should have uh, come to Moshe. Gone to Moshe, should have done it quietly. How even Miriam, could not expect because Hashem spoke to her, she was his brother, she didn't really appreciate his greatness, that Moshe Rabbeinu was different. I mean, all these ideas, you know, we can apply them, you know, today that in, in, in various, various different uh, ways to know that not to talk about people and not to keep on saying and not to frighten people and not, and to be confident, to be confident that Bezrat Hashem, you know, with Hashem's help, we will succeed in what we have to do. Very, very powerful lessons, and to apply it into our lives, and uh, 
hopefully make us better and stronger people to do the right things.